your you already have the music in there. Yeah, so that yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so that I don't have to keep tinkering with that doing sense. that every week. Yeah. I can just uh, so I have this file saved and then I save as less production. Makes a lot of sense. That way, Ju- I don't have to keep doing. Julie that. says something works when it's lightweight and low maintenance. I'm like, oh, that. Some, wait, something works when it's lightweight and low maintenance. Yeah. Could the, the lightweight is, all, is is both literal and proverbial? No, no, no. Like, if you're going to do something regular in your life, the thing that will make it more likely to succeed is if it's lightweight and low maintenance. So mm-hmm. does it cost you a lot or is it really hard to do? And then how many minor details do you have to keep in play to maintain it? So if it's lightweight and low maintenance, then it has a better chance of succeeding. But if every time you have to do something, you have to take out all the supplies from your basement, spread them all out, organize it, and then get started on your project, and then clean it up, and then put it away, let alone all the details that it takes to do the research, and like you're not going to do that more than once or twice. But if you can make it really streamlined, then everything's already, it's already built for you to succeed. Yeah. So I feel like, <clears throat> so I'm in the market to get this espresso machine. Yeah. Due to there's our, gonna our be, massive failure of last. There's going to be a long period of time where it's going to be a lot of maintenance and a lot of, uh, a lot of learning. Yeah. Like a lot of, uh, getting the rhythms and cleanings and like do I use tap water in the machine or do I want to use filtered water because of scaling when I and was stuff that builds up in the filters look, and stuff when I was in uh, when I was in Austria <laughs> um, no, when I was in I was in Vienna and we went to this small cafe and I got into this conversation with a barista and he said you know the 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 one key best step to getting good coffee good water water and so I don't think you even need like bottled water, you need distilled water. You need something ionized water. You need something. See, that's would that be good though? Distilled because then it's void of everything, and mineral is what gives water taste. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, and that that that's what gives a distinct taste. In fact, did you know that the reason why <clears throat> New York pizza is so famed? It's because the pizza that is made in New York City uh, is the only place that tastes like that because of the water in the dough. Yeah, because they get the water straight at the, at the Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't, you th- wouldn't you think yeah. that? But it's not. Yeah. The water is actually from upstate in the mountains, in the uh, upstate in the uh, Adirondacks they have mountains. The, the aqueducts to bring that, bring that in? <laughs> I don't know how it trickles down, but yeah, that's that's where their water is from. No, that's cool. And so the the New York pizza dough is made with New York City tap water, and that's why New York pizza tastes the way it does. So when I go to a New York pizza restaurant in Maryland, Mm-mm. it can't taste like they might have the same consistency, but it's not going to have the same taste because it has different water. Right. It, I would have never I would have uh, never connected the two. The ratio to water to to flour, it, it, you know, it could be the same, and right. how the uh, how the pizza maker rolls it out and thin crust and mm-hmm. hot oven because New York pizza is distinctly in a general sense thin crust very thin and crispy crust yet it's mm-hmm. tender 
and yeah, sauce, cheese, all that could be the same. But the water. But the water's different. I, I, I mentioned to somebody one time, I was like, well, can they just get the water, like, can't you just get tap water? Like, if you have, right, okay, so if you have, like, a couple of guys to drive a van back and forth between New York and, and Maryland. The most expensive pizza ever. Keep going. Uh, and they can bring, like, w- w- how many gallons Jugs. like, water is, uh, go in the uh, water fountains? How many? Oh, that's a five-gallon jug. So those like just like a dozen five gallon jugs, right? And maybe maybe you gotta come up once a day. Yep, and you can make all your dough with New York City. That's a great idea. Is the juice worth? Is the juice worth the squeeze? <laughs> well, I I guess you're paying someone's time. You're paying for gas and travel mileage. Is it worth it? How what if you, you have pay people that to, if you wages? have people to pay the pay the price, then then you go for it. I mean, would you then have people schlepping water from Chicago as well for their Chicago deep dish style? They're not as famed. That's more of how no, it's prepared you rather than the taste. You can't say it's not as famed if you know Chicago deep dish pizza and you know New York style pizza, they are of equal fame status. I'm not saying they're no, of equal they're taste. they're not. I'm not saying they're of equal taste. I'm saying they're of equal fame. No, they're not. If you go around the country ever, <laughs> anywhere, they're gonna, people will know about both styles of pizza. No, they won't. Or if they do, it's not as famous. <laughs> Is famous just being known? Yes! That's the <laughs> definition of famous. <laughs> well, it doesn't mean I like them anymore or less. It's the fact that I know them. That's that's famous. So you might cringe if you... I you see know. what you're saying by, by, by sheer definition of the word famous, but it's not true. It's not true. <laughs> you just don't like the way it sounds. Um, you know, th- when you buy things on Amazon, like, stuff is shipped from New York. Why can't you get water? I think, I think theoretically you could. It's just at what point does the price like the bottom line work out. I mean, it reminds me of that Seinfeld episode where they were trying to work out the 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 dollars and cents of shipping the recyclable uh, cans and bottles to, what was it, Michigan, like across the st- state line so that they could get the 10 cents rather than the 5 cents per bottle. And they worked it all up and... Uh, so at some point, the, the, the dollars and cents would work out. Some some believe it's impossible. <laughs> I like how it can't uh, be done. I like how like at least once a week, throughout our conversations, you reference a Seinfeld episode, and I've never seen one episode. You know of nothing Seinfeld. about it. Yeah, don't worry. All my Seinfeld friends out there, <clears throat> they'll get it. You guys you will get it. Newman ends sign- up offering his mail truck to Kramer, and no, that okay. sounds so funny. You'll, but you'll I, love it. I would imagine. Uh, to expound on this a little bit, I would imagine that uh, none of your Seinfeld friends are black. How dare you? <laughs> are they? How d- well, there are a handful. That, the majority, okay, the majority of people watching Seinfeld are white. Understood. 100%. I, I agree with the ma- that the majority are. However, you don't have to here be, in this office, the you don't two have to be the biggest, politically correct, man. Two of the biggest, say it, man. Just two of the biggest Seinfeld fans here in our office... Angel Cartagena, not mm-hmm. white. Tony Penny, not white. Okay. They're an, they're an anomaly then? Yes. 
Yeah. Another show black people don't watch is uh, Friends. Friends. Yeah, you guys. I don't know why you guys don't like. Probably because there are no black people on Friends. Oh, that could That's, that could yeah. be a part. You no know? representation. No representation. I mean, so yeah. you know. I mean, same thing with Seinfeld. Any <laughs> any person of ethnicity on Seinfeld, it was possibly a very highly racist show. If you guys could tweet us um, or f- Facebook us, uh, hashtag shows black people don't watch. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah. So we got friends and we got uh, Seinfeld, Seinfeld so far. Yeah. What else don't don't black people watch? I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> no. But no, wait. What were we? Ta- oh. I'm very upset that we were we started talking about this on the show because someone could take my idea. If I moved to New York mm-hmm. and sold New York water, I, that could be a legit business. It New York City tap water. Only only former New Yorkians would be your market. New Yorkers, Dave. Whatever. I, because I'm not from New York, I don't I don't care about New York water. I'm not saying it I've would. never had New York water and thought. Wow, I would love to drink New York water when I'm not in New York. I'm not saying that it wouldn't be a niched market. It obviously would be, but I think it might be profitable. There are enough. There are boy, There are enough uh, pizzerias within two to three hundred miles, close proximity to New York City, that probably would be down. Yeah, for uh, that's true. And New York is is hyped up enough that. People not from New York want to be cool by liking New York things, right? Like there's a little bit of, uh, I don't know, sexiness to to liking New York, the city that doesn't sleep. Yeah, I'm not a fan of New York anymore, but I'm trying to Google if people sell New York City tap water. That, that that link says, "Hey, buddy, want to buy some tap water?" <laughs> what if you had somebody? What if you had somebody come up to you on the side of the road and say that, "Hey, hey, buddy, hey, hey buddy, you want to buy some tap water?" I would be. I wonder how much tap water we buy unknowingly. I remember what Probably it was like a lot. when people started buying bottled water. I was like, "Are you kidding me? How do we You're know? paying a dollar yeah. for a bottle of water when it comes out of the tap? How that do was we like, know what, we're not back being in like 1999 when it really got big?" How do we know we're not being played? Thousand, you know the wonderful people at Dasani could be, uh, you know, they tint their bottles that nice blue color. Just yeah. throw some tap water in there and make you psychologically think it tastes better. Where do you think they're getting it from? I think we're gonna be buying water to take baths soon. Mm-hmm. You ready to get into that talk? I, Things are getting do scary. Take, do you take baths? No, I haven't taken. But a we're bath gonna have in, to. I haven't taken a bath in years. How many gallons of water does it take to take a shower? To take a shower, drastically less than it takes to take a bath. Because a bath... Wait, you mean drastically more? No, a shower, you use less water in a shower than you do in a bath. You didn't... The average American shower uses 17 gallons and lasts for 8.2 minutes at average. How big is a bath? The flow rate is 2.1 gallons a minute. Dave, sometimes I take 20-minute showers, man. 20-minute showers... That's 40 gallons of water. I almost said, what are you doing in there? I feel and I don't sh- want to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I feel ashamed even saying that out loud. I'm, do I, wait, I don't know if I take... I've never timed my showers. showers. Do you listen to music while you're in the shower? No. I don't have time to. What? Because before, you got to set up your playlist. <laughs> you got to make sure the volume's right. <laughs> I have a couple... Yeah, I, 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 gotta I throw on Pandora. I got to see what mood I'm in. Sometimes yeah. it takes me a minute to, like, decide what I want to listen to to begin with. Yeah. And by that, you know, five minutes could have gone by. 
how many gallons of water? Does so it that's that's two gallons a minute uh, to, to take a bath. You're going to be... But a bath, 70 gallons of water. 70 is a lot. Look, people will not buy 70 gallons of water to take a bath in. I can't believe you are right. I would have... I thought for sure that that was a dumb suggestion to think that a shower would be less water than a bath. Because, but, no, I mean, I get it because the shower is... There's no accumulation. You have no clue how... It yeah. could have been 100 gallons, and I wouldn't know the difference. But, you know, a lot, a lot of times it's the low flow... Like, there are pressure-reducing valves on your shower head to make sure it aerates the water and acts like more pressure. Those are the, really, yeah, those are the... Know, I've, low I've, flow. I can mention another <laughs> Seinfeld... <laughs> Episode right now. Please like don't. I the yeah. There are some uh, some shower heads are getting pretty nifty where they can like do something with the pressure that yeah. like makes it. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing better than a nice pressurized. We just shower, got a right? new uh, pressure regulator in our whole house. Ours really? went bad, and we got a new one, and it changed the shower experience. It was Dude. great. Yeah. So uh, flushing toilets can take. Anywhere from three to seven gallons of water, depending on your toilet. That's that's a lot of what water. What are you flushing? Like, that's a lot of water. What do you mean seven gallons? Well, when I flush a toilet, seven, I, toilet, seven I see just, it's just like, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's so much water. Yeah. I feel like we're such terrible stewards of I, stuff around us. But I how much of that water no, is like recycled back yeah, to I us? I have no concept of water scarcity. That is something I've never thought of. And I don't even know that if I use less water here, if that affects water scarcity around the world. Yeah. Like, like does my... If your toilet flushes seven gallons of water each time, does that or does that not affect where there's droughts? Yeah. I is, 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 the water's there, so there. Or are we two so completely there. different uh, um, ecosystem, like, closed systems that no matter how much water we use or don't use here, that doesn't affect how much water is available or not available somewhere else. Something else to think about, I saw this video on Facebook, because that's where you can learn a lot. <laughs> yeah. And this guy was teaching some seminar about, like, world poverty mm-hmm. or how to solve world poverty. And it's not to, it's not to go to impoverished countries and places and inspire and motivate them to move to America for the big dream for the great American dream and that's how they rise out of poverty but rather it's to educate and equip them where they are to rise above poverty through entrepreneurship whatever I don't know I'm we not... should we should have somebody on the show who can speak to moving here from another country mm-hmm. with the mindset of going back and taking what you learn here and reinvesting and that tension once you get here of like are you still inspired to go back to your home country and how much is there a draw that once you get here yeah you might want to settle because yeah because that must be really hard to then want to leave what you've built here family your kids have friends you're finally out of school with your, you know, master's degree with some some experience, then to move back into the situation you came out of to try to make it better. I yeah. bet there's a lot of a lot of decisions that have to be made along the way there. Yeah, because I think the point that the guy was trying to make was 
not to, or I don't think it was to discourage people from trying to pursue the American dream, but it was more so saying that that's not how you solve the world, the entire world's yeah. uh, problem of there being poverty everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, and that kind of makes sense. Like, what's the saying <laughs> about giving a man a fish? <laughs> Feed him for a day, yeah. But teach him how to fish. Fish. Feed him for a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I know a lot yeah. of families. They'll like somebody will move here from another country and then make money and then send the money back home, and that's a way they serve their family back home. But, but it even seems that, like what even you're that saying is like isn't... less than less than a percent of people that it will actually change the mm-hmm. lives of. Yeah, that's really know. tough. Anyway, so we need to do a better job of saving water. I always get, I always l- would like to to take this the stance of like not flushing toilets every time, but then, to to conserve water. Yeah, but, but then like, you just have a stinky house. It smells so. Good. Yeah. Doesn't it? Wouldn't it yeah, stink? It would, yeah. Especially urine. Ooh. Yeah. It would you just, don't want that to pile up. No. No. It's unsafe, right? It, it's dangerous. You mean like uh, hygienically unsafe? Mm-hmm. Possibly, I honestly I don't know. I just know that probably after a while, it would affect the or, smell of your home. Or would you get used to it? You know? Sure, but if you have anybody over, well, you're being a good humanitarian. Would, yeah, well, you want to explain that to every guest you walk to the house? Hey, hey, you want to be shallow and and talk about my <laughs> pissy house smell, or do you want to like uh, do you want to change the world? Yeah, well. well <laughs> One or the other. I don't know. With I don't my, know which one's more important. With my daughter wa- running around, who knows what she's getting into? She could be dipping all kinds of things in that toilet and putting. <laughs> now that she's walking, she's we got a walker. How was Halloween, man? Great. Wait, well, it's exactly a week ago today. It was. Wow, that's right. It was really cool. So uh, we finished the the um, costume for Reese. Mm-hmm. Because she wanted to be Destiny the Whale Shark. Oh, so what and did you end up doing? How did we, you... Uh... We created a, um, a cardboard box that she could wear that a Destiny the Whale <laughs> Shark stuffed animal's head could stick through. And then we painted the box colors that matched Destiny the Whale Shark. And we went to Home Depot with the stuffed animal and like looked at the big uh, selection of, of different paint colors and tried to match it up to find just the right light blue and just the right dark blue. You know they can, like, computerize that and get it to the exact... Yeah, the line was kind of long at the paint station, so we wanted to <laughs> streamline that a little bit. <laughs> How much were we really willing to invest in this? Uh, and so we got the colors, and there was actually this moment as we were... As I was painting the box with Reese, because I wanted her to be a part of it, I had to decide, was it going to be done well? Like, was it going to look... Like crisp, or was I gonna let a three-year-old just go at it? And that was a that was a hard decision, because I wanted the neighbors to be impressed at my handiwork, but I also wanted it to be like a little thing that me and Reese did together. So mm-hmm. I took a deep breath and I was just like, "Go for it, Reese." And then it actually looked good because it looked like a three-year-old did it, you know, <laughs> with with help. You know, yeah. it looked like we did it together rather than it looking like, ah, uh, your dad did that. 
Did you take pictures? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, you would, if you'll email me those, I'll, I'll put them on the website. Yeah, you'll love it. She's cute, and she got <laughs> tons of compliments on it because it was, it was clearly a homemade costume. That's, yeah, send me pictures. I'll put that. So for, for anyone that's listening, you can get, obviously get, the, get this podcast on iTunes and Google Play, but if you go to DanteShepard.com, You'll see Dave's pictures there. Okay, cool, cool. I'll put them on there. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's so cute. Awesome. Yeah, so, it was good. So we walked around with some neighbors. We've been hanging out with our neighbors a lot over this past year or so. Um, so they came over for Chili before uh, we all went, uh, went around, and it's like a really cool neighbor time. Did and Julie, then we walked, Julie make walked the chili? Yeah. Man, yeah, she made a good uh, turkey black bean chili. Mm. It was really good. Hey, she um she sent me the recipe last year, but I deleted the text. Could okay. you get her to resend it to me? Of that chili? Yeah. Oh, that okay. That, yeah, yeah. that chili. Yeah, it's good. It's also got like squash and stuff in it, right? It was I may, possibly. Can we put that in the show notes as well? <laughs> <laughs> the oh, recipe. Yeah. yeah, if you yeah, want, if you want the to recipe, make some we'll... chili, that'll be funny. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Uh, we'll put the recipe to the chili yeah. on the website. Yeah. Did you guys? <laughs> Walk around with oh yeah so so I was I was I was working and uh, so my wife took my sister and our daughter to Old Ellicott City nice. to walk around down downtown. Oh yeah, your sister was telling me about that. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, and then after that they go they went to a friend's neighborhood and um, and then I got off from work and met them there and then we walked around their neighborhood with them and their daughter. Now it was it was so cute. Lily was like I had her in the ergo. The little carrier. People that that Face- don't have kids don't know what an ergo is. So an ergo is a is a book bag for kids for <laughs> humans that you wear on the front. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh, you can wear it in the back too. Okay. But that's just uh, that that worries me a little bit. Yeah. It's kind of negligent. Like, no, it's not. As long as they're still breathing and you know they're breathing, <laughs> it should be fine. It is hard because you don't have your eyes on them. Like yeah, you, yeah. And in the front, you can get them to face you, or you can turn them out. Okay. So we had we had Lily turned out. And uh, so the ergo is like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a whole holder, holster, backpack, <laughs> a kid hybrid. holster. Yeah. And their arms and uh, legs are dangling out of yeah. it. So I, uh, yeah. I like so to see a, see a grown person in one of those one day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I offered to carry a lady once. Um, I was, uh, I'll tell that story. That's creepy. But okay. There was, um, see, Lily was a, was a little cat. Mm-hmm. Or no, no, I'm sorry. She that's was a awesome. mouse. She was a mouse. Okay. Those are, they're very close depending on the ear shape. That's the only but, uh, thing that differentiates <laughs> the two. <laughs> so she had like little ears on and uh, Friday like put some uh, little paint on her face, which I need to talk to my wife about because she was a little bit hypocritical with putting makeup on Lily's face because the day Lily was born, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, it's October 22nd. My daughter's here. That means her birthday is a week before thanks, um, Thanksgiving, or a week before Halloween every year, which means we get to have a costume party for her birthday party every year. And speaking of this next year, when she turns one, I was telling my wife, we can dress her up as a baby zombie because we only got like two years to dress her up as a, zomb- a baby zombie. Right. You know what I'm saying? That window's closing she's rapidly. Like, and, then, and then she's like, we can't dress her up as a zombie because I can't put makeup on her. Because she's a baby, right? And her Ooh. face and stuff. But how do you say putting whiskers and painting her nose, huh? Yeah. That's makeup. Well, clearly this was a, a pretty important conversation for you uh, that you she remember. Snuck it by me. Your, she snuck it by later. me because when I saw Lily, I was like, you were oh, my gosh, she's so cute. Yeah. 
Yeah. I just kept kissing her little face. Now, when it comes to trick-or-treating with a baby... It was very weird. Clearly, when it's, you walk up and you say trick-or-treat with a baby, they know that no good parent would give their one-year-old that much candy. If any candy... Do you even... Does she Dave, even eat candy? So every, really, what you're doing is you're trick-or-treating. I know. And I... You got candy. It was a good idea. As a grown man. It was a good idea on paper. But when you actually live it out, yeah. you feel a little foolish because I'm walking up. And the, it's a little bit diffused because you're with other people. Like, our friends have their baby. It wasn't just you and My your... My sister is there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it's a little bit diffused. Uh-huh. But when you actually get the candy right. from them, uh-huh. there's this brief moment where they look at you and you look at them. And you can, you know that they know. They know. What's happening. Yeah. And it makes you feel a little self-conscious and weird. But then I would just take the candy and throw it in my sister's bag. That's a good brother. So that, that, that's how I reconciled it in my head. I was like, well, you know, maybe if they see me doing this. But then, but then I had the idea. Then the insecurity became, oh, they think I'm double dipping to get my sister more candy. Well, I know that for me, as the father of a three-year-old, it, I would be a very bad father if I let her eat all the candy that she came home with. She came home with a huge bucket of candy. So this whole idea of eating my 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 kids' loot, all that candy that they came home with, yeah. I have no guilt at all. Because she's you're, three. I can't give her that much that much candy. You're being a good dad. I'm being a good dad by stealing her candy. You're being a good dad and you shouldn't feel sorry for that. Yeah. You know? But then, you know, as after the first like twenty minutes went by then I asked myself, why are we doing this? I was wondering, 20 minutes is a long, like, that's, you yeah. guys are really committed. We made it to the end of the block, and then... Then you had to come we back were, up the we other were side. Kinda, we were kind of all collectively, like, I think we're... I think we're done I here. think we're about done. Yeah. But Did I felt bad... you guys bad, Uber I, it back home? No. <laughs> I felt bad for my sister, though. So we hit more houses okay. for her sake. Yeah. But she's, at, she's 11 now, so she's at the point where she's, like, sh- she's able to handle it better. Yeah, she she was she was a champ about it. She was like, yeah, yeah, I'm done. That's cool. I I uh, I think it's really important that to note that you have friends that you can go out and do something like that with. I was. Uh, I'll yeah. I'll, I'll never do it just us. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, it, it changes the experience completely. To have people that are just kind of like the default people you go back to. Do you guys feel like you have couple friends like that, like default people you can just go right back to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I've been doing a lot of thinking recently about what it's like to grow older and the importance of friendships as, like, now I'm 35 and I need friends. It's different than when you were 15 and you had friends or 25 and you had friends. Um, and there was an article that came across um, recently passed around a little bit of how lonely middle-aged men are. And I hate to say it, but I'm on the cusp of becoming. What's middle age? What's the... What's the... 40. I say 40 Middle age is, is 40? I'd say 40. Are you your, saying that, or is that, like, from the National Health Services of America? I think, I think 40 is my gut, my gut feeling. That that's middle age. I think and 45 some people, is middle age. Really? I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know. You guys can let us know what you think. Um, you can uh, hit us up and tell us what you think. But there are a lot of men who don't have friends, like really don't have friends. And what they said, there's this uh, doctor from Cambridge, a psychiatrist, who, he said, when people with children become overscheduled, they don't shortchange their children, they shortchange their friendships. They shortchange their friendships. So I, I feel like I'm right on the bubble of now I have a kid and I've had some really good friendships over the past 20 years of my life. And I feel like that's even unique, that I have a couple of friends that we can, we get together all the time. We talk about everything. We share experiences. We go on adventures together. We, we see each other at least once a week face-to-face. We sit around the fire and we have drinks and we, uh, we catch up. We're part of the different seasons of each other's lives. Um, through dating and marriage and kids and losing jobs and moving across the country, you know, sending people off and different things are, are huge chapters of life. And I've had a couple of really good friends that have stood the test of time. But I'm right on the bubble when I think they say people start letting go of friendships. And I don't want, I don't want that to be true about me. Um, but it says that people feel more comfortable saying that they're depressed than saying that they're lonely. Because if you say you're lonely, then you're just like that kid at the cafeteria who's like alone sitting. Yeah. Like there's something less. There's a social like stigma to uh, yeah, you're, being lonely. It's, it's like sad. Right. It's pitiful mm-hmm. if you say you're lonely. So I don't, I don't want that to end up being true about about me I think the difference I I, I think where the uh, transition comes like with having children is that before and this goes for marriage too like it goes in waves like you're single you could do in theory you could do whatever you want whenever you want you can still do whatever you want, whenever you want, but it's different. There are consequences. Just, <laughs> <laughs> some, On the whatever you want part. Some <laughs> relational consequences there. But when you get married, then that then that changes, mm-hmm. right? Because now you're, it's not just yourself you're thinking about and accountable for, but it's someone else. You were sharing a life with someone mm-hmm. uh, if you want to be healthy in that relationship. Right. right. So so that that changes things, and there, there will be some inevitable relationships and connections that falls at the wayside just because not out of anything intentional or, mal- or malicious but you just don't your capacity changes your capacity yeah. for certain amount of things not just relationships but things and doing changes. things last minute like yeah for, and so yeah so for me yeah. I, I can't just be like hey Dante what are you doing tonight you want to go hang out don't you dare no <laughs> what, you, what do you mean like you, go some, hang out what are you some crazy person right First off, let me text Julie and see if she already had plans for us tonight. Oh, wait, no. We have, uh, you know, bedtime routine yeah. with, with Reese that starts at 7.30 that I want to be a part. It's not just an obligation to be a part of. I want to be a part of that stuff, too. Yeah. So, and do you feel like guys are more last-minute, spontaneous, non-planning relational connections than females? Yeah. So... 
guys are kind of just going throughout the day and they're like, oh, what am I doing tonight? Oh, let's hang out. Oh, wait. And that, that the availability of being able to do that lessens and lessens. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I, I think, you know, I mean, some women are too, but yeah. for the, a, a generalization, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And so when you, so then when you have the kid or more like that changes, so it, in terms of your plans, before things were more arbitrary and like whenever, because you were the only one that mm-hmm. it affected. And so then, that's yeah, arbitrary versus focused. Yeah, your time then becomes focused. So, I think for me, what I do, I have a couple of things that are. They're not non-negotiables. That's not the right term, but they are things that like. My wife and I have an understanding that these are the things that I like and choose to do with my free time. Yeah. Can we call them rhythms? Sure, yeah. Like a a general rhythm to how your week or month goes. Yeah, so like one of those things... Okay, and so there's three. There may be more. Three that are coming off the top of my head. One is... And I don't know if I should include this one or not, but one is obviously work. And also all things related. So I have my normal work hours, but then if there's things... if there's things related to work like rehearsals or meetings or travel then Mm -hmm. that's one that's a rhythm that like my wife and I have an understanding and her as well like hey I gotta go do I got this photo shoot or I got this makeup gig okay the other person will try to accommodate and rearrange to the other so that the spouse can be free to make that a priority and in almost all cases it it flies it goes because that's an understanding yeah and with a ministry job that that can be a little bit unpredictable. Yeah, like now um, we're entering the Christmas season and we do a really big Christmas production every year. And so, you know, um, I was busy doing a bunch of writing last week. Yeah. And uh, I had a conversation with my wife and it, it's the same conversation every year where I go, hey, things are about to get crazy. <laughs> She's Brace like, right. for impact. Yeah. So then I just send her like what my rehearsal schedules it, uh, rehearsal schedule is and everything. And, and, that's, and that's okay because mm-hmm. she knows. Uh, another rhythm is like tennis. So like I'll get up early in the morning and go play before work. And that's just a that's just a rhythm. You know, what I get up and get get our daughter, change her, and then either feed her or bring her to my wife to nurse her or whatever and like then I get ready and go. Um, and then another rhythm is like sporting stuff. <laughs> so like Saturday nights once or twice a month maybe there's a UFC fight or there's a boxing match yeah and it's like you know hey next Saturday's the fights mm-hmm. and, and, and we already both know unless there's something else that trumps that that's interesting because the tennis and the, the fight nights they're low sacrifice for your wife they're low sacrifice for the person who's most affected by those types of scheduling things right because early in the morning what do you really con- like you're not sacrificing a date night for that, yeah. right? And then fight night is late at night when mm-hmm. she's probably already up getting ready for bed, right? So you we've you found those those pockets that are yeah low sacrifice for for the people that they affect. And that's part of the rationale behind it is like it's not it's not disrupting too much. Yeah, you know, like if she were a fight fan, it would be different because she might want to see those or you know, or whatever, but, um, yeah, it's like, I'll spend the morning and all afternoon and early evening with my family. Right. And then it's like, oh, it's eight o'clock. I'm going to go now. Right. 
And my wife is a, you know, she's a she's more of a homebody anyway. So it that scenario works out for us. That's really cool. When Julie and I, well, before I was married, uh, I had these couple of guys. We would get together every Wednesday night at like 9, 10, 11. Like after all of life had ended, then we would get together, you know, for the evening. So we would start at 10 o'clock and go till 2. Midweek, all of us would be dead tired the next day, and but we would always make it a priority to show up. And then I got married. I was the first of the friend group to get married. And there was like this moment where we all realized that I would have to decide to either keep this as a priority or then I would be the married guy who disappeared. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I remember how tense it was the first couple of months when on Wednesday night, 9.30, 10 o'clock rolled around. And I was like, all right, I'll see you later, Julie. And there were a lot of times where that was not a happy moment. Like, I did not walk out free and clear and and lighthearted. Like, there was a lot of tension in that. But it was really, really important to me to keep that regular rhythm of meeting with those guys and hanging out every week. I didn't want to lose it. I almost want to say I was a better husband because I had that time rather than if I would have sacrificed that time for being in the house one more night in the week. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. I was going to, you said the word important, how important that was. I like, th- that makes a whole world of sense because I think you're right. Um, you know, I, I, I remember, I don't know, it was like last year sometime, and for whatever reason, I hadn't played, I hadn't played tennis in like a couple of weeks because I was just so busy and stuff. I had a lot of stuff going on, and I noticed um, in the afternoon I was at work, and I realized that I was very, like, irritable and very short, you know? Like, just mm-hmm. my attitude, I was just short and snippy with people. Um, and I and I realized, I was like, I haven't played tennis in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um and it's 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 bigger than just playing a game. It's like getting exercise and tennis is a, like an individual individual sport where you're it's not a team sport. So, you know, it gives me the opportunity to be in my own head and as I'm playing, I'm thinking about various things, you know, in addition to yeah. the actual tennis. But it's like I'm on the court playing against someone, but I'm by myself doing this thing. And just the like being invigorated by the exercise in the early morning and like I I it dawned on me. I was like, I haven't played tennis in so long. Right. And so I, you know, I noticed that that was important just for my, my mental health as well as my physical health. And it impacted other areas of my life as well. And so I think, think it is important that we acknowledge what those things are and when we commit to, to doing those things so that we can keep that rhythm um, going. Yeah. M- the mental health of men, I think, is... I don't think we normally like to talk about that like it's we're I think we're conditioned to be like suck it up keep your head to, yeah. you know your nose to the grindstone a man works a man works yeah. right you don't you don't need friends you know you don't need to sit out sit around and talk about your feelings like you just get the work done produce yeah and honestly I there's a difference between a drinking buddy and a confidant and I think at best, a lot of men have drinking buddies, 
but to have a relationship that's deep enough where you have a confidant, where you can look at another man in his eyes and say, I love you without having to follow it up by saying no homo or like bro or something that is a caveat that doesn't take away from that really special connection that a man can have with another man of brotherhood yeah where you can just say i love you Mm -hmm. and that's that's i think there are a lot of men who don't have that yeah and you're yeah and you're touching on a a a deeper issue too Uh, i haven't i was having this conversation with with a with a, um, a buddy of mine and it was about how uh the work the world and culture perceives and kind of inflicts upon men the uh the almost unfair expectation of what being a man is and like this like super masculine masculinized view of what a guy should be is oftentimes unfair um in the sense that then anything uh feminine is is looked at as gay or weakness or like that like anything um any any feminine aspects of who you are and your personality has no place or shouldn't be there. Right. Hide it. it right. At the very most, if you recognize you have it, you better hide it because that's that's going to be a downfall of some mm-hmm. sort. Yeah, and then like how that how that then affects, uh, for one, how it affects a, a grown man. But then how does that affect a, uh, how does that affect a boy growing up? You know, mm-hmm. becoming a becoming a you know a young boy into a young man into into then manhood yet everything kind of being fed into him uh, by the the culture and the world around him is driving this idea of what a man should be um and if and if all of the aspects of who he is doesn't align with those expectations placed on him by who uh, then all of a sudden he is either ostracized because of it or he is called names or bullied or whatever. And, you know, that. how, how does that then affect who he ultimately becomes, you right. know? So I think that that's, I, th- I think that that's a, a bigger issue that you're touching on that I think needs to be... Um, I think the more we become self-aware, not only as, as people but as uh, specifically men, um, the more we become self-aware of, like, uh, what our feelings are and what our inclination to um, verbalize, not not contingent on what other people will think of us. Like, what would the world be like if if everybody could just comfortably say how they feel? Like, I f- you know I feel sad or I feel uh, lonely because I don't have any other male connections that I can. Um, you know, confide in. Right. And how, how does that, how will that then affect, like, how I go about my day? Um, and how will that affect what I ultimately produce with the work of my hands? How right. does that affect that? Because a healthier person will produce more, right? Like, if, if you've got these internal tormenting things that are happening inside of you, either it will distract you so much you won't be able to produce well, or you'll hide it long enough that eventually it'll come out in some dark way, you know, of, of something that you've just tried to keep hidden and hidden and hidden. Um, and when that comes out, that'll sink you, mm-hmm. you know? So keeping, 
people like you and me healthy, it seems like that's <laughs> that would be what we would all want for more pr- productivity if if that still is the end goal, you know, yeah. the masculine end goal of being able to produce. Um, so I there's a, a documentary that I haven't watched yet, but it comes really highly recommended. It's called The Mask You Live In. And I want to I want to take a look at it. Maybe maybe you guys can take a look at it too and let us know what you think. But um, it's really dealing with this pressure of men hiding that inner tenderness that we have and the damage that does, like you were saying, from boy to young man to grown man, and um, I guess how it steals life, really. How yeah. it steals life. Yeah, that's true. That's the good. What is that documentary on? Is it on Netflix or? Uh, uh, I think you YouTube? might be able to find it on YouTube. Because uh, if it's on YouTube, yeah. we could put it on the site. Hey, check the show notes. We'll, <laughs> we'll look at it a little bit later on. Yeah, I remember I was in middle school. I went out for the basketball team. And like, I, so I started writing poetry in middle school. So I had this view, I had this like view of. of from other people of who I was, right? Like this, this sensitive uh, <laughs> poet kid. That <laughs> but what people didn't know in my middle school was that uh, I grew up playing baseball and basketball. You know, like those were my first sports. Yeah, and I was good at basketball, and so I went out for the team, and eventually like started and and did well. But when I went out, people were like, "You play bat?" You know, what you? I'm saying? it was like that that idea. Mm-hmm. And they were like, Dante, take the beret off. <laughs> <laughs> take the beret off. That doesn't belong on the court. What is that, a quill? <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah, I mean, I think that it's, uh, yeah, very, in many cases, unfair. The, right. uh, the amount of pressure and false expectations that are placed on, on young men. Right. You know. I had a... Um, before we started recording, I had a bag of bag of Doritos. <laughs> I he was eating it so loudly. It was. <laughs> I wanted to do a giveaway, so if you can, yeah. yeah. Well, it's gonna be, it's gonna be in retro, but interactive with the people who are listening. Yeah, yeah. So Dante, are you gonna give away a, a I'm, I'm two point give away, eight ounce bag of, Dur- of no, Doritos? No, I'm gonna give away the the. What's the big one? Oh, the family size. The five gallon. I will give away a family-sized bag of Doritos for to the first person that can tell me what flavor I was eating. Keep in mind, we that is open to uh, other flavors. Right, not just the main. Not just the main couple. Cool Ranch and nacho cheese, but mm-hmm. spicy nacho. If you guys were sitting this uh, close to Dante like I am right now, there would be no doubt in your mind what flavor. <laughs> He was eating. I'm so sorry, ever, dude. No, no. Have you ever walked into a room and you immediately know what was being eaten? There's this, yeah. cr- this random time when I was in high school. I was sitting in, I was sitting in like English class or something, and eating Fritos. And the girl next to me turns to me and says, "Man, did you ever notice Fritos kind of smell like feet?" Yeah. And I was like, "No, what are you talking about?" Meanwhile, I keep crunching on these Fritos. Seconds later, somebody walks in the door. And announces to the whole class, something smells like feet in here. <laughs> now, from then on, I've been convinced that Fritos smell like feet because it, it's double double blind confirmed yeah. right there. If you open up a bag of Lay's, like plain Lay's potato chips, that first whiff you get smells like a fart. Huh. 
I mean, obviously, it smells like chips. But I, but, but I that like first Lay's. whiffs could you could also smell a fart in there. How about that? Yeah, I don't know. I so you gotta you gotta if if you can tell what kind of chips Dante was eating just by the tone of his voice, um, yeah. meter Intuition. of his canter, intuition, <laughs> uh, guidance from the Holy Spirit. Who knows? Whatever. Just uh, if you let me know, first person, let me know via you can. If you know me personally, you can text me, or you can hit me up on Facebook or Twitter. And uh, first person to tell me. Now, now, what if they're listening to this podcast like a year later? Can they still? If they're the first person to chime in, yeah. If no one hears this until a year later, so be it. All right. There you go. There's still hope for you. There's still hope for you. I um, I forgot my my wedding ring this morning. Uh oh. Forgot. uh, Yeah, I was given. So I was giving Lily a bath last night, and I take my ring off when I do that, because, like, you're, you know, like, my ring is a, it's a tungsten ring. It's heavy. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I'm, like, if I, like, have her over and I'm, like, washing her hair, like, my you ring could hit her head or, you know what I'm saying? That's it's for just, her sake. Okay. It's for her. So I take yeah. it off and put it on the sink, and then, mm-hmm. uh, and then this morning, got up, showered, got dressed, and left, and I left my ring. Have you been do feeling you know? a little naked? Yeah. Do you, does that happen to you? Yeah. Well, I rarely take my ring off because I'm the type of person that would set it down somewhere and forget about it and walk away. Or I've seen too many sitcoms where the story of that 30-minute sitcom is somebody setting the ring down near a drain. It gets knocked in. They try to hide it from their spouse, the fact that they don't have the ring, and they have this series of calamities and events trying to hire a plumber to get the ring back out of the sink. Yeah, I that, saw I too many episodes of Full House that were that theme. Uh, so I try to take off my ring as, as seldom as possible. The question is, how quickly is it? Is does how quickly does it leave that? The catch. Is yeah. that what it's called? I think how it's called a. It... Uh, I think it's called something like a cat, a, a lint trap. Is that what? It's... No, that's not. Are there? That's not a lint trap. So there's a lint, the no. lint trap is uh, leading out of your main line, right? That's uh, the dryer, not <laughs> right. Yeah, lint trap is is your dryer, not your uh, your kitchen sink. Oh, but when I had to get some plumbing work done, there was something in the main. Something one of the pipes in the basement had a little mesh thing. Oh, like to catch any. The, eventually, the ring would come through. Is that what it's for? I hope so, because that's a genius idea. And do all of them have it? I hope. I, honestly, I hope Shouldn't that. Shouldn't they? Makes, yeah. Can as someone research as, that and let us know? Yeah, we're not plumbers. We, neither of us, really like doing home product projects, um, repair, maintenance. What is it about the arrogance within me that I, whenever I, whenever I forget my ring, so I have the first moment I'm like, oh crap, I don't have my ring. Second realization is how far am I? Can I turn around? Third realization is I'm too far away from home. I'm not turning around to put it on. I'll just go without it. Yeah. Then the fourth and arrogant realization is, I wonder who's gonna hit on I me. I wonder today. who's gonna who's <laughs> gonna. <laughs> like, oh, what hello, kind of, Dante? Help me, help me uh, reconcile I think it's, this. It's a des, it's a it's a desire to believe that you still got it. What kind of idiot am because I? Because that as I a think married when I, man, when I forget my ring, you cannot well, guarantee that you've still got I it. I can't control what happens today. But like, what is it in for me? For some does reason, that? so nasty. It's that's a, the moment where you have a little bit of a window 
where possibly you could be reminded or it could be confirmed that. And I got to be like, hold up, shorty. Hold feels up. good to be a gangster, right? Hang like, on. He's, I'm, I still got it, right? It's oh, actually, actually, you you probably didn't notice the tan line because there really is supposed to be a see that tan line, right girl? You I didn't that? intentionally leave it off coming out to the club on a Saturday night. It's uh, It's sad. It's really sad that that thought crosses it's that's what it is it's just sadness well i'm i'm sure like, oh, you you poor thing you think that uh <laughs> the moment your ring is off all of a sudden the floodgates are open <laughs> right they're lining up lining up excuse me ladies listen, nothing has changed talking to my wife listen i can't control what happens to you know what i'm saying your pockets are stuffed with numbers <laughs> i tried to say no nice try Right. I'm not calling them. I just didn't want to shut them down too quick. Yeah, I was just being nice. So, okay. So, I have this I have this business card in my wallet. I'll show you. Okay. How long has it been in your wallet? At least 3 weeks. Okay. Maybe 4. Charlotte. Ah, don't say her name. <laughs> oh, no. You're going to have to bleep that out. Why, is she going to listen to the podcast? Maybe. Oh, my goodness. So, okay. I was at Best Buy, and um, this person... Oh, that's kind of giving it away. <laughs> now we know I, it's... I met the person at Best, Best Buy, Buy no, and her name See, you didn't have to say that either. You said it. No, but I, it could have been someone just there. Oh, okay. Anyway, really the person this, works at Best at Buy, game. and they were... Helping me with a sale. Okay. Assisting me. Uh-huh. And uh, they, she gave me her card. And to be kind, or I don't know if it was kindness or just politeness, mm-hmm. instead of just putting it in my front pocket, I don't know why, I took, it my, I took my wallet out and, and put it in the first little yeah. pocket, in the first little insert. But the way my wallet is set up... You've been looking at it for weeks. The way my wallet is set up, it sticks out, and you yeah. see the name, tile, and address of the person, right? So, yesterday, yesterday we were at we were out thrifting. I like to go to the thrift stores, yeah. and uh, I didn't find it. I struck out big time yesterday. Okay, but, but my wife found something that she wanted, and she's like, "Oh, I left, you know, I left my wallet in the diaper bag in the car. Um, can I have your wallet?" And I was like, "Yeah." yeah. So I hand her my wallet, and, like, she goes to get the credit card out. And I'm standing next to her because I, I had Lily, so mm-hmm. I just gave her the whole wallet instead of fiddling through for my credit card to give it to her. So I gave her the whole wallet. She opens it kind of in front of me, and the card of this woman is there. Sure. Now, it wasn't an awkward moment. Um, Do you think she double, did a double take? Uh, she had to have. I don't think she did, like, a mental double take, though. Okay. I don't think she. it was a big deal to her. Did you feel like you had to explain yourself? I'm in the, that's what, that's, that's, that's what I want to talk about. I'm in that tension right now. Yesterday, this is, this is, what sure. time is it? Five, this is a whole 24 hours ago. Okay. And I didn't say anything. Yeah. She saw it. I saw her see it. Mm-hmm. I didn't say anything. And sure. she didn't say anything. Right. But it's a business card. It wasn't a, a piece of scrap paper with a number scratched out on it, you know, in lipstick or, you know, true. like, that's a completely different yeah, scenario. But if, here's the thing, I don't if know. If she had said, oh, you know, while you're at the store of which you were purchasing stuff mm-hmm. and you, this attendant 
assisted you and then said, you know what, I'm available to help out with any other projects. If you're interested in getting in touch with me, here's my best contact info. Yeah. And she took out a scrap piece of paper, receipt, um, a gum wrapper. I don't know what people write their numbers on these days. Uh, and she wrote it down and then put her name with a little heart next to it, smiley face, <laughs> anything, and then handed it to you and said, that's my personal line. Call me, call me at any, t- any time, even after hours. <laughs> then you might need to explain that to your wife or possibly decline taking the piece of paper, right? But it's a business card, and there's no personal markings on it. I think, I think there's, there should be no, no sense of it, having to explain yourself. Okay, so let me finish the story now. Okay, here's where it gets, here's where I need input. I'd like maybe 60, we're run, maybe 60 seconds of input from you, like okay. your initial thought, and then maybe if you're listening, you can chime in on, on, on your stance. So I told you for some reason I pulled my wallet out and put it in there instead of just throwing it in my front pocket, which I do with every other business card I've ever received. I don't know what... I don't know what led me to take my wallet out and put it in there. Further, I don't know. I st- I don't know why I still have it. I've opened up my wallet <laughs> thousands of times since that card has been in there. Uh-huh. Check this out. When I actually consciously had the thought of why do I still have this, my next thought was, for some reason, I think I should keep this card in here. Hmm. I think that there's a reason why I'm holding on to this card. It's, it's involuntary. It doesn't take more work for me to do it. Mm-hmm. It's just there in my wallet. Right. And I don't need to touch uh, There's no reason for me to touch it. And I, so I thought, there's a, there must be a reason why it's in there, maybe. Okay, so now here's where it gets. Now this, this kind of could be dumb. Maybe God, is, maybe God wants me to hold on to this woman's card for some reason. Is there, as a married man, any place for that to be a likely or a or an appropriate scenario? Or does, does just by virtue of you being a married man automatically say, you can't do things like that anymore? What's your initial thought? I think in the back of the back of the back of your mind, you know if there is a minuscule amount of bad, of negative reason why you're keeping that card. Mm-hmm. You know for sure if there's something inside of you that's holding on to it because you're somewhat interested in 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 keeping that option there. And so I think you already know your answer as to whether or not it's uh, if you should throw it away right this minute or if there's no danger at all. I think you you already know the answer to that question. I do. Yeah. So based on that, you don't have to say it on air or anything. Like no, no, no. I'm saying I'm just saying you what you have to. (laughs) No, I'm saying I'm saying based off of that logic though that that I as long as there's no negative whatever Mm -hmm. I can keep it and see what God does. Yeah. Let me know what you guys think. Yeah. Yeah. Good talk, eh? Great times. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, and keep keep checking in with us. It's been cool to get texts from friends and, and people who've been listening to the to the show. Oh yeah, um, 
and giving some suggestions. So uh, shout out to Lindsay for, for hitting me up this week and giving us some suggestions on stovetop espresso makers that I want to talk to you about next time. Oh, heck yeah. All right.